0: i'm the executive director of take this and take this is a um, research advocacy and training mental health organization that works that serves the game industry and the game community um, with a variety of resources and and tools Uh, and we also obviously we do our own research Um, and i've been at take this for almost five years and in that time uh, we've really evolved from you know Thinking about how to, like, how to serve people at game conventions, which is still important, to really thinking systemically about how we can address the underlying issues, cultural factors, norms, practices, design elements in the industry and in, the, in games that um, both positively and negatively impact mental well-being and uh, mental illness. And try to improve the conditions of, of making and playing games. And, um, you know, we, we love games. That's why we are doing this work. Uh, I work mostly with mental health professionals and, and um, trained uh, clinicians. And we're all invested in um, celebrating games, but also identifying the ways in which um, how we do things can be harmful and saying, hey, we can do better. We can, we can make the the culture of studios different. We can think differently about, um, you know, passion and overwork and uh, psychological safety and burnout in studios. And then we can have happier and healthier workforces that make actually more effective games, like games that are that still are fun, still get competitive, but are um, places that are safer and more welcoming to more people. Uh, that have a wider audience, potential audience and that don't cause really serious challenges to people. And um, and that we can also support the mental health literacy of people who are in this community, right, so that people have tools just to be well generally in their lives and that we can talk to people outside this community and in this industry and give them the good science and good information about games so that games aren't demonized um, and games aren't um, misunderstood. And so parents and regulators and media have the tools to talk about this stuff effectively. Um, So mental health is... The well-being of your brain, which includes your thinking, your cognitive function, your emotions, um, the ways that you uh, frame, you know, and understand um, your your self-confidence and the way that you think about yourself in the world and the way that you react to situations. And um, just like physical health, it requires upkeep. Right. Uh, We talk about self-care in, in, um, in kind of popular vernacular culture, but things like sleep and, uh, time alone or time doing things that, um, that are hobbies, that are fun and time with a supportive family or community. Those are all things that improve mental health. Mental illness is a set of actual, like medical diagnoses that have been, some of which have been debated over years and, you know, um, and changed, but generally are are problems with or challenges with brain chemistry and and um and various ways that the brain works so in general when um and the thing is that mental illness is a really broad category, and mental health challenges can exist even if you don't have a lifetime diagnosis. So in general, when you you know it's a problem, when your emotional state and your, your mental state is, an, is, is a persistent, ongoing obstacle to living your life, to, to maintaining your work, uh, to maintaining healthy relationships in your personal life, to keeping your physical health in in, in check, so it's all of those things that, that there is an impact, a negative impact, to more than one of those on an ongoing basis. Then you know you're not okay. And um, sometimes it depends on the diagnosis or the person. It can manifest sometimes as anxiety and hyperattentiveness. And sometimes it can manifest as um, apathy and depression-like symptoms and uh, just a, you know like an ability to accomplish anything. So it's, it can be a really wide range of things depending on the type of challenge you're experiencing and the context and, and of who you are and your, your underlying personality. So first, what, what I'll say is that actually, mental illness is really common among the entire population. Some, uh, some statistics... No, like some studies have noted that like one in two people will have some sort of mental health challenge at some point in their lives. That's half the population. So it's really common. And we just we for a long time have not had the language or the um, the kind of acceptance to talk about it generally. There are certain things that cause greater levels of challenge. And the game industry, which uh, tends to work people for really long hours, Tends to include um, work environments that that are uh, where harm is uh, common, abuse, harassment, other forms of uncertainty, lack of managerial skill, management skill, um, and uh, and this idea that that our passion is what keeps us employed, which is actually a pretty toxic thing. Um, those all make it harder to maintain your well-being. And so we see um, we see a lot of kind of mistaken ideas. Uh, you know, people are like, oh, we have to work 70 or 80 hours a week to do our best work and prove that we're passionate about this, when actually we know scientifically that our brains stop working pretty very well after 40 to 45 hours a week. Like, we don't put in our good work. We actually are probably harming the work we're doing um but we can't step away from that cycle, and especially if managers are um you know like perpetuating this kind of behavior um above us and so it's a uh we see that a lot in the game industry and and we we're here to basically say hey like there's other models for thinking about this and and actually, if you want to do your best work, which we all you know we're all in the same boat about that um you have to think really radically different about uh, what it means to work hard and work well i mean i could i could i 'll say this um, mental health challenges are kind of a normal part of life. There are also specific ways that our work lives and our society exist that make it that exacerbate those challenges absolutely, yeah. So um, so the the only workshop that I teach that we do is called Leadership and Self-Care. And really what I'm trying to, to do in that workshop is to say, hey, you have to model the practices uh, that you want to see in your employees. That means, and we don't talk about work-life balance because balance is a kind of ever-changing kind of hard to define thing and work and the rest of life is like, that's not an appropriate way to balance things. Think about it. But, but, um, work life separation, you have to have good boundaries between when you're working and when you're not working. You have to have, uh, uh, real, real clarity around, um, as a, as a leader, um, that everything you say and do is a model for what um your employees are going to say and do. that means that when you model vulnerability, when you model transparency, when you model aspects of psychological safety like promoting this this sense that i 'm not going to blame you as a person if you have make a mistake or have a bad idea we 're just we're we are we are working together towards the same goal, and something may not work or something we may make a mistake, but that's okay. That's not an, I'm not going to attack you as a person. That kind of thing. Those are the building blocks from a management perspective of a healthy workplace culture. And um, some of them are very straightforward, but often uh, they go against what we think of as good management or good leadership. And they're hard habits to unlearn. And so it's the process of helping people Um, find very specific small tactical changes they can make to become better managers and leaders over time. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres mechanics and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation which could be House Flipper and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action-adventure. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. And sometimes... So yesterday morning um Tim Schafer was interviewed by Jonathan Ekenayake Akine, and, and he said um, you know people are people are are promoted into management without knowing how to do management and um especially in the games industry there's just not that professionalization or there hasn't been right and um I I think that uh, because you are creative and know how to make a game does not mean you know how to manage a team. Those are different skills. Like people are trying to come up with new ways of thinking about, hey, you have really great creative leadership. That's different from people leadership. How do we separate those things? How do we think differently about that? And um, I think that's one that is that those skills are not the same set, skill set. And often they're really at opposition with each other, that not everyone's made like designed to be a good manager or wants that, that responsibility. Um, and, um, and also yes, we have a lot of really bad models for this. Um, a lot of those models come from, uh, cultural norms around masculinity, around, uh, what it means to be strong, uh, and, uh, a lack of, uh, nuance in in thinking about power, right? We don't have good tools for thinking about um, about power, about respect, about vulnerability, like vulnerability and like the ability of people to change. Those aren't things that are part of how we think and talk. And so, yeah, we just, we have been looking in the wrong places for good leadership and we have been very limited in the set of ideas that we consider for that category of activity. It's true, um, but I think people can easily um, misunderstand that vulnerability requires you to share a lot about your life, when actually vulnerability can happen inside a work context. Like, I can be vulnerable with my team and be like, I don't know the answer to this question or, I don't know what to do here, or, I messed up. I want to apologize to you. And that's all work-related, but that's vulnerability. And those are really powerful moments. I've, as a manager and a leader, had profound um, organizational growth and, and deepening of trust when I say, I messed up. I need to apologize to you all. How can we make sure we don't do this again? Like That's a really profound statement. That's vulnerability. It is not me oversharing about my marriage or my, you know, like lack of whatever, you know, I don't need to do that. I do often also talk about my personal life because it's a small team. We all work from home, you know, right. That's fine. We've cultivated that, but that doesn't have to be what we do. Um, and I think that it's, uh, uh, it's useful. It, it, the, these things are always in the details right to talk about the ideas is all well and good but like you need you need to like have scripts for what to say and think through specific scenarios because if you don't have those tools you're going to get into the moment and be like i don't know to actually what to actually say Right. Like there might be somebody who really responds to, no, go get it done, like straightforwardness, because there are, there are cultural differences, there are emotional differences, there's historical differences, there's like trauma and experience that people bring from other previous employment situations, um, all of that. Like you, you have to manage people. You can't manage like tasks, you manage people. And so you have to respond to the person in front of you and, and listen and contextualize what you're thinking about. And that is, uh, that is probably the most important starting point, is that remember that when you're managing a team or leading an organization, at the root, this is a group of people, individuals, and they will give you the best work that they can do when you respect them and make them feel safe and um and are transparent and open with them about how this is working and what's going on in the in the organization well, the the baseline is to do the the, self, the simple self-care to get your sleep <laughs> you know, separate from work, eat well, um, get, get outside, get physical activity in your life, whatever that looks like for you, like do the basics because, and sometimes that's hard. Like just to be transparent, like we don't always, we're not always good at taking care of ourselves, but like, that's the basis. And to think about work and work life separation, thinking about setting good boundaries for ourselves. And making and holding boundaries can be very hard. It's something I struggle with personally, but like that's a really important skill. And one of the first places to think about it is when I'm not at work, I'm not at work, and when I am at work, I am. And how do I separate those out and make it clear to folks when I am and am not available? Um, and if if you're not in a situation where that's possible, think about whether or not that's the right place to be. <laughs> but um, so those are the first. Like, those are the basics. Um, we talk about protective factors, like resilience, um, which is like building up basically the stores you have to maintain your well-being. And the greatest protective factor you can have is a supportive community. So find your people, whether that's online, and that's a valid place to find your, your community or your people, or it's um, you know, with some hobby or some community or even family around you. Those people need to be in your life. Because um, they're they, they energize you, they support you, they validate you, and also they can be there when when things go go wrong or when you need help. And that kind of community is uh, really important. The other thing is to um, to do to have a mindfulness practice of some sort. This is a really this is an important part of something called self compassion. It comes from Buddhist pra- uh, you know practice in Eastern traditions, but it's been shown to be really helpful. Mindfulness practices often like, oh, it's got to be yoga or it's got to be like meditation. There are a lot of things that can be mindfulness practices that work for you in different ways, but it's it's something where you you are you're not distracted by an actual task. Uh, your mind is is able to kind of let go and process. You can kind of, um, you're not you're not reading. You're not listening to a podcast, you may but you may be walking, you may be journaling, you may be uh cooking. Like for some people, cooking is a really wonderful mindfulness activity. For some people Yeah, 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 Oh, maybe I should have dinner with you. <laughs> um uh there are uh you know maybe it's like going out to a field and like throwing a ball to your dog but just doing that in silence right that is the kind of space and time where your mind can recover and also reflect it's self-reflection time uh and and often um and it's really it's actually deeply good it's really good and healthy for your brain So there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot you can do on your own without trying to upset a boat that might not be friendly to you, you know, to to going into hostile conversation. And there might be, you know, subtle ways that you can eke out, you know, 30 extra minutes in your day where you just, like, turn your phone off. And that's, you know, between, say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to eat dinner every night at 7. And between 7 and 8, I just, like, I disappear. My phone's off. Or on silent. It's in another room. I'm just not available. Like if that's your baseline, great. Um, the another way and, and like I would encourage that to be like the bare minimum. That's really not healthy. I would say, you know, I leave the office or I turn my computer off as I work from home and I'm unavailable after 6 p.m. Period. Full stop. When I get up in the morning is when I'll answer these emails. If you're not in a position to do that, um I will say this, especially to people who are young and new in the industry, no job is worth the mental health impacts. Like people who have been in the trenches of, of this work and in the industry will talk about how they were hospitalized because they, they crunched so much. They were, you know, like their physical health never recovered. There's, there's um, a term called allostatic load that if it gets too high, your stress levels get too high, you actually suffer permanent physical harm. Like, no job is worth that. And there are other ways to think about it. If your livelihood is threatened, that's going to be a harder choice to make. But do think about, like, in the short term, uh, what the impacts are versus in the long term, what they are. It's i it's um it's a hard thing to do to to separate your fandom and like joy around a title or an IP or you know like your childhood memory of playing some game, from the actual like you're now working for someone, who is, to make a game that they're going to make money off of. And are you benefiting from that work, like or or are they benefiting from that work? It's like remembering, like this is a capitalist society. Like we're. You're, if you're doing too much work and not getting compensated for it because you're, you know, you're contracted for 40 hours, not 80, they're getting all the benefit of your work. And you're not doing yourself any favors. You're going to come out a loser in this because your well-being is going to be impacted. So we do, um, we have a, a huge website full of free resources, including a mental health research, like a crisis lines page and all kinds of resources. Um, uh, and that's take So you can go there. It's really easy to, to navigate and find all those resources. We also have, um, we provide workshops and training inside the industry. So and there's a, there's stuff on our website about that. You can reach out we have contact form, um, and um and then we're always speaking at conferences um mostly in the u s and Canada, but you know slowly expanding our our connection and then we do research, we do mental health research and research into um kind of those related areas and that is a um that's a space uh where you know there's like all kinds of opportunities for us to um talk to people who play games, talk to people who make games, talk to folks who um Uh, who are impacted part of this community in some way. Um, And so, you know, if you see us on social media recruiting, you know, participants in studies and research and surveys, like that's a great way to be a part of our community and add to the body of knowledge so we like, we can come up with the best solutions and the best responses to what's going on in the industry. Thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80-Level Roundtable Podcast. Check out upcoming episodes on the 80-Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv RFP. And share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.